This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Uh, the goal is walk through. I'm going to talk a little bit about these this six years old and above, and hopefully we'll have a few minutes at the end to ask a couple questions. If you guys have questions throughout, just write them down. I'm going to save, try to save a few minutes at the end so we can do a little Q&A, and Kevin and Bethany and Elizabeth are going to help us try to think through some specifics and answer some questions. Uh, the focus in, in this session is the, the these middle years of uh, kids' lives. Thinking um, elementary school into middle school, it, it's hard to put firm categories always on this. You know, there's a general age, age range we're talking about. But hopefully, as you enter the season, what I'm kind of assuming starting out is your children have been taught... Uh, the biblical priority to obey their parents. So this is what Jake is going to be focusing on for 40 minutes on there. It's really, when I thought about these, I was like, it's kind of simple, honestly. The younger years, it's like obey. Just obey mom and dad. And that's just every day, 50 times a day, obey. Like, that's it. It's pretty, like, it's not complicated. I was like, Jake, what are you going to do for 40 minutes? Just tell them to obey, man. And But it's hard to get them to obey. But hopefully, um, you have established that you are an authority in their life and the biblical priority of obedience. Um, I know the younger years are physically exhausting. I've never seen this articulated anywhere, but what I would say is the younger years are 100% physically exhausting. The middle years we're talking about are about 50% physically exhausting and 50% emotionally exhausting. The teen years are about 125% emotionally exhausting, okay? So just to encourage you, no matter where you are, you know, it's, it's 100% exhaustion all the time. Uh, so the, the younger years really are about obedience. Um, not saying that when they hit this age, that's why I'm saying it's a general range. They still struggle with obedience. They do. But there is a shift in the focus. Um, and, and I would say if your kids don't have that biblical priority to obey, if you have a six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old, and they're still struggling to obey, it's okay to backtrack. You know, it's actually at this age, you can you can reason with them and say, buddy, you, you should understand this by now, but scripture calls you to do this. And it's okay to backtrack. And there are times we've had even older kids uh, where we've had to say, okay, we're going to remind you of something. Okay, let's backtrack a little bit. We've got a little loosey-goosey around here. And and when I ask you to do this, I expect a, a yes, ma'am, a yes, sir. If mom asks you to do this, here's what I expect from you. And, and at times, you do have to backtrack, revisit. Children, obey your parents and everything for this pleases the Lord. Colossians 3.20, Colossians 3.20, over and over and over. Uh, you know, so you might have to backtrack, but it's important to establish that authority in their lives, especially from a young age, because the focus does shift a little bit in these years. The zero to five is a lot of what. It's a lot of answering the question what. What to do. What not to do. Uh, don't play with your food. Do eat your food. Don't bite your sister. Do give your sister a hug. You know, don't throw a tantrum. Do say yes, ma'am. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of what's that you are answering during the younger years. And now, in these years, the focus is shifting to the why. 
Why do we do the things we do? Why do you struggle with that? Why do you fight fear? Why are you anxious in this moment? And they're getting this vocabulary and they're beginning to understand themselves and they're beginning to understand why. And so you're really focusing on the why, why they do the things that they do. Uh, The heart issue we are dealing with in this age is not just obedience, but we're trying to get after these virtues and character and applying the gospel to their lives, loving others, being selfless, considering others better than themselves. You know, this is really the age, I think, where we apply the shepherding a child's heart material. I remember... We did Shepherding a Child's Heart. We went to Ted Tripp every seminar he ever did. We went to Ted Tripp before we had children, when we had young children. And I remember when our oldest, Zeke, was born, we were so excited to shepherd his little heart. Here, let me shut this door real quick. Shut up! Yes, sir. (laughs) Uh, I remember we were so excited with Zeke to shepherd his heart, and we were all jazzed about it, and uh, he was this little baby, and we were just preaching the gospel to him as a little baby and so excited about this. And by the time he was two, we figured out, you know what? We're not shepherding his heart. He just needs to obey. Like, you know, we're just spanking is all we're doing. His heart's going to come around later because he just needs to obey mom and dad. And we kind of just thought we we had to kind of relearn like, okay, this season is just obedience. Like we need to get authority. We need to get them under our authority. And I remember when Ted Tripp came back years later and we did the seminar again, which I'm thankful we did it every time he came. I remember thinking, we've already heard all this. We've already heard this before. I've read the book, but man, as they got older, it, the, the focus shifted. And I thought now is the season we, sh- we, we need to apply this. The younger years, it's good to have this understanding, but really as they enter these years, this is really when we need this shepherding the child's heart material. So that's what I really want to focus on is just a review of what he says and how it applies to their hearts in this season. And so I'd really encourage you guys to do the the deep dive on shepherding a child's heart. Even if you read it, maybe you read it before they were born or when they were little, I just reread it every so many years and every time. It just was a refresher. It was helpful. It focused me. It was really helpful in in this season to review that book. So Mark 7, I think you have an outline. There's outlines on the back if you didn't get one. Mark chapter 7, just as a reminder of what's going on in the season. Jesus said, what comes out of a, a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. We believe our behavior is a fruit of our hearts. So just to to just modify behavior isn't enough. We have to do heart work with our kids. We don't want to be 
just about behavior modification, but heart change. And honestly, the younger years, the zero to five, it is a lot of behavior modification. Here's what you do. Here's how you do this. You have to modify their behavior at times. And as they get into these years, it really becomes more and more focused on their heart. Let me give you an example of this. For example, um, when they're little, you can deal with obedience of selfishness of them not wanting to share a toy or keeping something. And you can give them a a direct command. I want you to give that toy to your sibling. And if they disobey, then you can discipline them and you can teach them and try again. And you're dealing with selfishness. But as they get older, you can't just discipline every selfishness. Because selfishness is not always just disobedient. It is wrong, but it's not always disobedient. The kids can be sitting there and maybe mom has cooked dinner and mom is doing the dishes and she's worked hard all day and she's made this great meal and they enjoyed this meal together and they're like, man, my belly's full. I feel good. I'm gonna go sit on the couch. We're gonna turn on the TV. They turn on the TV and mom's over there doing the dishes. And when they're sitting there watching TV and mom's doing the dishes, they are being selfish. Like they are inherently selfish. This is what is happening in their heart. And if you tell them, hey, Mom just cooked a great meal. Get up and go help do the dishes. That's an obedience issue. And hopefully they'll say, oh, yeah, you're right. But what we're dealing with this age is it's like dealing with, I want them to see that moment, what's happening. I want them to understand I'm being selfish in this moment. And it's not just an obedience issue. It's a heart issue. Think about lust you know, which begins to be an issue in these years. You can tell them, don't lust. You're not allowed to lust. It's disobedient, but it's a hard issue. You can't just discipline lust out. It takes repentance and faith and forgiveness in Christ. And that's the hard issues we start to deal with in these years, not just obedience issues, but really getting into why they do the things they do. And Mark 7 tells us it flows out of their hearts. And in your outline, you have a, this is from Shepherding a Child's Heart. It's a picture of ungodly attitudes and godly attitudes. These are kind of the hard issues we're dealing with in our kids. You know, desire for revenge versus entrusting yourself to God. Fear of man versus fear of God. This is a, not just an obedience issue. You can't just tell your children, quit fearing man. You know, it's a hard issue. They have to fear the Lord. You have to get in there and pray with them and help them and 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 deal with heart struggles in their life. Pride versus humility. Love of self versus love of others. Self-preservation versus laying down your life. Fear versus perfect love. Covetousness versus generosity. Envy versus open-heartedness. Hatred versus love. Anger, forgiveness. Desire to be approved by people. Desire to be approved by God. These are kind of the heart issues that we're trying to deal with in our kids in these years. This is the why we are getting after in these years. So the focus is not just do what I say, but the why we do the things we do. You know, I was thinking about this. The younger years are a lot of them asking why, right? I mean, oh, I don't know if you've had kids that were just, why, 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 why is the sky blue? Why do you stop at a red light? Why do you put, you know, just why, 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 why? And this is the season you get to turn the tables on them, okay? This is your turn to ask why. This is the why season for parents. Why? Why are you struggling? Why are you afraid to go in there? What is it going on? What do you think is going to happen when you walk 
walk through those doors? Why are you fearful? Why are you having these struggles? You know, why are you in this conflict with your other friend? Why are you treating them this way and demeaning them and, and being proud? And why are you doing these things? So a lot of this, it's, it's our turn. It's our time to turn the tables on them with all the why questions. Why, why, why? We're getting after their hearts. The temptation as they get older is to continue to make more rules. And that just doesn't work. I'll say that doesn't work. It doesn't get after the heart. Ted Tripp, he tells a story about a family that made, uh, tried to make more rules for everything in their house. They even made rules. They had four girls and they made rules for how long they could use the bathroom in the morning. Every single detail of their morning had rules for it, even down to the number of strokes they could comb their hair before they went to school. Uh, it was rules, rules, rules. I'm pretty sure their dad was an engineer. Just sounds like an engineer right there, you know? They were trying to govern every detail of the kid's life without really just addressing the heart character issues. And it's impossible. It's really impossible to make enough rules to cover every situation in life. That's where if you're just rule-driven and, and behavior modification, as kids enter this age, you realize you just can't do it. As they be, get more freedoms, as there's more circumstances, you can't make a rule to cover everything they're going to struggle with. So you really have to deal with their heart issues and what's going on in their heart. So another diagram Ted Tripp uses, you see in your outline, the authority versus influence. You know, as they get older, your authority is going down. This doesn't mean you don't have authority in their lives or it goes away, but it is decreasing and, and hopefully you're influencing them towards the gospel. You're influencing them. So I would say, you know, depending on where your kids fall, you're probably before those two intersect. So if your kids are six seven, eight, you still have more authority than influence. But as they enter the teen years and when they go to college, they have so many freedoms and you're, you're sending them out there and, and their character is going to come out. And so you're increasingly giving them opportunities to express their character, giving them opportunities to trust the Lord, you know, giving them bigger parameters of things to do without giving them every little instruction along the way. And you're trying to develop character in their life, dealing with their heart. Just think through the list of sin struggles we have in Romans chapter one. There's not enough rules. There's no way you can make enough rules to cover every scenario. These are just a sampling of some of the sin struggles our kids are going to have according to Romans one. Envy. They're going to wrestle with envy. How often do we deal with conflicts because one sibling is jealous of another one? Or they're, they're envious or jealous of their friends getting to do something they don't get to do. You can't make rules that deal with envy. It's a heart issue. Or strife. Is there ever a day you don't deal with strife in your children? That's a great word. It's just strife. Deceit. You know, how often are they less than honest about situations? Gossip. How often do they speak negatively of others? Insolent. To be insolent is to be rude or unmannerly. Who hasn't corrected this in their children? Being haughty, which is being proud in our hearts, thinking too highly of ourselves. Our kids think too highly of themselves. Boastful. is just, I, I, one guy I heard him say, you know, being boastful is just pride with an open mouth. Um, 
man, that, you know, kids are just prone to be boastful. Uh, you know, I have an illustration with that, but we, we, we don't have time for that right now. Uh, foolish. There's never a day they're not tempted to be foolish. Heartless. Honestly, it's sad to see how cruel they can be at times. They're heartless, ruthless. Ever had a child be really unkind to you or others? This is the sin struggle in Romans 1. These are the character issues. These are the sins that our children are dealing with and going to be wrestling with. And these are the things we're trying to get after during these years, the character issues. We're giving them an understanding of God, who he is, what he says, the gospel, the solution God has given for our sinfulness through his son, Jesus Christ. We're giving them an understanding of themselves as we're focused on their heart. When we ask them why, and we direct them to think about why they do the things they do, we're giving them an understanding of their hearts. We're giving them an understanding of their fears and their anxieties and um, how they can trust in themselves instead of trusting in the Lord. You know, and I just, I, I would just say, to have parents uh, who, you're here tonight, to have parents who have a biblical understanding of the heart, who have a biblical understanding of Romans chapter 1 and sin struggles and why kids wrestle with the things they do, to have parents who aren't just saying, you know, I'm just trying to modify your behavior and get you to stop doing these things, but I'm going to get in there and ask questions and pray with you, and we're going to talk through this, and we're going to develop character and deal with heart issues. To have parents committing, committed to doing that is such an advantage for these kids. I get to see it in relay. I get to see the fruit in kids fellowshipping, in confessing sin, in using biblical language and talking about the heart. Man, it is such an advantage and it's such fun. It's so fun to see them grow up and have an understanding of these things. This is what Ted Tripp says. Being concerned with character will move you from dealing with your school-aged children like they are toddlers. I hear people responding to school-aged children as if they were three-year-olds. They bark commands. Their children are hearing the same old orders but not growing in discernment and understanding. They are not being equipped for this next stage of development, the teenage years. So that's why I just keep emphasizing this. It's really a focus on the heart. It's a focus on character. It's a focus on why. I'm not saying you don't have rules during this age, okay? Don't think that at all. You do. Uh, you have tons of rules and your authority has not diminished, but you're using that authority to, to deal with heart issues, to get in there and understand their heart. The focus opens the door to talk more about the heart. So in our parenting, we have to have this, this principle ingrained in us over and over and over because it's easier Honestly, it's easier just to tell them what to do and what not to do. It takes a lot more time and conversation to deal with the heart. It takes time. You really have to slow down. It, it's a ton of conversation. It's a ton of, I don't know why, and tears, and I don't know why I'm afraid, and they're, they're, they don't understand, and it just takes a long time to get in there and deal with heart issues. It's much easier just to tell them, do this or else. 
But when you're dealing with heart, you just can't do that. It takes longer. It's harder. There's, there's multiple steps and conversations and, uh, and learning vocabulary and understanding what's going on in their hearts. I, I heard, again, Ted Tripp, I've been watching through his messages again. He used an illustration from a school he worked at and a middle school girl who was in a conflict with another middle school girl. Just imagine that. I've never seen that before, you know? Two middle school girls in a conflict. And he asked the girl, her and her friend, he could tell her and her best friend were fighting each other and they were like getting other people on their side. And and he asked the girl, what's going on? And she communicated with him, you know, I'm just being proud and I'm jealous and I wasn't loving others like God would have me. And Ted Tripp said, wow, like where did she get that? And it was, he said it was her parents. They focused on her heart. In the midst of this conflict in middle school, she's aware I'm being proud and I'm jealous. I was jealous of this girl and I wasn't loving others like God would have me to. And Ted Tripp just said, what an advantage that girl has in life to understand what's going on in her heart and the problem at hand. You know, it's not just something you can command out of them. It is a heart issue and it gives them such an advantage to understand the heart. And I have seen, I've seen parents who don't make this transition from just rules and obedience, you know, which continues, but transitioning to really focusing on heart issues. And what happens is as the kids get older, it just becomes apparent because they have a lot more freedoms. And especially as they get into the teenage years, when they have a lot more freedoms and you haven't dealt with their heart, they just become very hypocritical. They become disrespectful. Their parents aren't there to modify their behavior and give them commands for every thing. And they don't have an understanding of the heart and it really puts them at a disadvantage. So the call of parenting in these years really is to shepherd our children's hearts. Say that was all my introduction. So that's 80% of it, 80% of it. That's really 80% of what I have to say is just, if you can get this concept, like it's about their heart, Mark seven, it's coming out of the heart. I don't just want to just modify and fix this right away. I want to slow down and revisit it and talk about it later and figuring out, helping them see what's going on in their heart and leading them to Christ. So how do you do this? Three categories to think about, just three things to think about as you're trying to shepherd their heart. Number one is just knowing your kids. It's knowing their struggles and knowing what's going on in them. So this is where I think what Jeff said is helpful. You have to have a biblical grid to understand and address your children in this age. You're going to be learning a lot about them. And you need to have biblical categories as you think through what your kids are walking through. And I just, I totally agree with Jeff. I think we've been infiltrated by the therapeutic movement. And I see parents losing biblical categories of sin. And I see this outside the church. I see this inside the church. And if we lose the the biblical category of sin, we're really not dealing with them, their heart and leading them to Christ and getting to share the gospel with them. Okay. Uh, A couple ways I see this. Um, I see this 
And, and Jeff kind of addressed this in personality. I see this in parents making an excuse for their, their children's sin based on what type of personality they have. Uh, or it could be like the Enneagram, you know, where this is the kind of person that you are. And, and I love this about our children. I love learning about my children. I love seeing how they're different and unique. Um, but you have to apply the category of sin to your children and not not just personality. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, they're just shy, you know? Uh, and you have to kind of pull back from a personality term like that and say, well, what does that mean? And how do I help my kid in their heart deal with what's going on with them? So if you have a, sh a shy child, you, you're going to have to deal with fear of man. I'm just telling you. There is a fear of man category you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to help them grow. you got to use biblical language. Hey, hey, baby, you're dealing with the fear of man. Here's what God says about the fear of man. It's a snare. And when you start using biblical categories, you can relate to your child. You can say, I understand fear of man. I can write a book on the fear of man, okay? I have dealt with fear of man more than you ever will in your lifetime. And let me tell you what Jesus says about this. And let me tell you, God can help you. You don't have to fear what people think about you because here's what God says about you. This is what it looks like to shepherd their heart. And if we say... For example, knowing my kid, oh, they're just a shy child. That's just who they are. And we don't seek to help them grow. We're just missing tons of gospel opportunities. Another example I've seen of this is a type A. I had to look up what that was because parents use that. Well, they're just a type A, you know? And it means they're aggressive. It means they have to have everything organized. You know, if anyone comes in their room and touches anything or messes it up, they just freak out. And I had a mom say to me, oh, he's just a type A personality. And I thought, you know, that's, gonna, that, that's a hard issue biblically that we need to help them grow in. We need to help them understand, hey, in your room, buddy, I know you have everything exactly where it goes and you're very organized, but let me tell you something very biblically true. This is not your stuff. This is all God's. He owns everything. And God calls you to share and give your things away and be generous with them. And when you feel when someone's coming into your room and they're moving something over and you freak out, you know, we're going to have to humble ourselves and seek the Lord and repent and go to God and he can help you. This is, you know, this is just one of the burdens I have is when we deal with personality, making sure we have biblical categories to know our children. So study your children. Know why they're afraid, why they're anxious, how they're doing in their relationships with others. Are they a good friend or are they a bad friend? Are they a controlling friend? Are they someone who follows? Are they a leader, you know? Are they, are they bossing other people around or are they someone who's easily bossed around by others? Do they attach to others and, and have to have this group of friends or they're not comfortable? These are all hard issues that are coming out in our kids in these years and it's really good to know them and study them. And one application I would give you from tonight is just review viewing at least several times a year, maybe quarterly, just together with your spouse, how your kids are doing. Businesses do this. They do like an annual or a biannual review. I think you should do that with your spouse. Just, just go on a date and just 
talk about where are they in their development? Where do they need help? What categories are they not thinking right about? You know, how are they doing uh, with God? Ted Tripp gives us kind of, how are they doing with God? How are they doing with others in their friendships? And how are they doing understanding themselves? So know them, study their hearts, know their temptations and their struggles. Number two, feed your children. This is what it means to shepherd them, feed them. So into this increasing awareness and growth as they're developing these heart categories, we really need to be feeding them the word of God, an understanding of God's word. We need to keep that at the center of everything that we do. The way I thought about this is is so much, almost everything you're gonna, you're gonna wanna accomplish in your teenager's life comes from communication. And this is beginning in this age. It's all about communication. It's about establishing patterns of communication where they feel free to share with you and you're talking about heart issues and you're talking about God's word and applying it to their heart. And I kind of thought about it like a NASCAR race. Uh, Paul Tripp, he calls parenting the never-ending conversation. I love that. Parenting is the never-ending conversation. And it feels to me like a NASCAR race. I'm not a NASCAR fan because all NASCAR feels like they're doing is just driving in circles over and over and over and over and over, and I think that's exactly what they're doing, and over and over. And I thought this never-ending conversation of parenting, it is like a NASCAR race. It's like we're having the same conversation over and over and over, but as they get older, Every time we have the conversation, and in this year's, it's getting a little bit deeper. We're just going deeper with them in this conversation. Lap one, you know, they're a little kid. Who made you? God. Yes, that's right. God made you. That's lap one. You know, lap two, God made you male and female. Hey, buddy, are you a boy or are you a girl? I'm a boy. That's right. What about your sisters? You know, that's lap two. Okay, God. God made you, God made you male and female. Uh, lap three, God made you male and female, and God created this thing called sex. Oh man, here we go. Now we're getting into the deeper laps, you know? And God created, and it's between a husband and a wife. And we're going to learn more about that, but you're going to read about it if you're reading your Bible. It's in the context of marriage. That's why God created this thing. That's kind of lap three. And then in lap four, you're doing the Passport to Purity weekend, and you're walking through with them all these topics on sex and how it works and what God says about it, you know? And, and it's just, it's the the same conversation. You, know, you, you see, it's just the same thing over and over, but every time we're just going a little bit deeper to understanding what God says. Lap five, you know, God made you male and female, and you understand about marriage and purity, and now we're fighting lust and impure thoughts, and here is what transgenderism comes from, and how you interact with someone who's been captivated with this ideology that comes from a worldly perspective, and here's how you use your sexuality as a single person for the glory of God, and not just to gratify yourself and you get there and you're like holy cow how did we get here I, you know yesterday it was lap one god made you that was so easy and lap five gets really tough and by lap 225 you're just exhausted and sweating and like how did we get here but you see 
this is kind of the years where the younger years is just lap one and two. It's just God made you. Here's the truth. And in these years, you know, six and seven-year-old, we're doing deeper laps now. We're feeding them God's word. We're feeding them an understanding of who God is and who they are and what God says to them. Uh, By lap, you know, by... By 9, 10, 11, we're getting deeper into these laps. We're doing passport to purity. We're getting them ready for middle school. By the teenage years, by the time they're going to college, you're just, man, it's, I, I just agree with, I, I agree with Jeff, just the fellowship. And when you think our children are going to be a part of the people of God, and we're training them to understand who God is. And all these laps, all these conversations, they're just worth it. It's Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what we're doing on those laps. It's the instruction of the Lord. So what's, what's the content? It's the instruction of the Lord. It's everything God says to us about our hearts and the Savior and how we're to live for the glory of God. Paul Tripp says this in his book on parenting. It's important to make the mental spiritual shift from viewing parenting as a series of unrelated corrective encounters to viewing parenting as a lifelong connected process. Since change is most often a process and seldom an event, you have to remember that you can't look for a dramatic transformational conclusion to your encounters with your children. Seldom is change the result of a dramatic moment. So you have partial conversations and unfinished moments, but in each moment, you are imparting wisdom to your child. Each moment, you are exposing your child's heart. Each moment, you are enlivening your child's conscience. Each moment, you are giving your child great God awareness. Each moment, you are constructing a biblical worldview for your child. In each moment, you are giving the Spirit of God an opportunity to do things in and for your child that you cannot do. What a privilege. What a privilege to have these conversations. And it is tedious, it's exhausting, but it is a good work. It's Ephesians 2. It's the good work that we're created in Christ Jesus to walk in. Galatians 6, 7 and 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up having these conversations. Don't give up drawing your child's attention to God and their heart and what God is doing in their life. Don't give up because you will reap a harvest in due season. So we want to know our kids. We want to be feeding them. Um, to me, th- this, this was the challenging thing in this season. And even as they grow into the teenage years, what I learned is trying to lead my children to examine their hearts and, and focus on God was always convicting to me because it just made me aware of how often I'm not thinking about God. And it just made me aware all the time of missed opportunities. Man, I could have built them into the Lord. Man, I missed an opportunity to shepherd their heart. I missed, you know, I, I was too brief. I just corrected them. I just told them to stop doing it. I made a rule, but I really didn't slow down and focus on their heart. And so I think in this season, it's really like your 
your soul, how you're doing with the Lord, you studying God's word, you thinking about God, you having these categories, you working on your heart. You know, this, I think, is what matters because it's an overflow of our hearts that goes into our children when we're feeding them God's word. So I'd say one of the, one of the most beneficial things in this season is reading good books, praying, studying God's word. If you're thinking about the Lord and you're focused on him, so much easier to feed our children's God's word when we ourselves are doing well with the Lord. And finally, just leading your children. So knowing them, feeding them God's word, having these conversations over and over and over, going deeper, and then leading your children. As your children get older, they need you more, not less. And I've seen parents shift away from this because when they're little, they're so dependent on you. I mean, they, they need you every second of the day. They need you to feed them. They need you to change them. They don't live without you. It's physical dependency. And as they get older, it can feel like they need you less and less, but it's actually not true. They need you more and more and more. Uh, you know, as they get older, leadership should increase in their lives, not decrease. Though they're doing, they're growing to do things independently, they need wisdom from their parents. Let me give you an illustration of this. Uh, one category, which is a huge category in children, is making friends. And what I've seen is, Parents, you know, they're leading, they're leading, they're leading, and as their kids get older, they start stepping back. And there is a degree where you have the authority going down, the influence going up, and you're allowing your kids to make decisions for themselves, but you have to lead them and be involved. Uh, you can't, you know, when it comes to making friends, you can't just command your kids, make friends. Make good friends, and they either obey or disobey. There are tons of heart issues in play in this one category of friendship. I mean, you have fear of man, anxiety, self-focus, where they're thinking about themselves more than others. There's comparison, jealousy, pride, and wanting their friend to be only their friend, and they can't be close to anyone else. There's self-pity when someone is friends with someone else and not their friends. There's discerning who is a wise friend and a foolish friend, all of these are heart issues and they're growing in this season to, to understand who am I and what does God say about this? And they need their parents to lead them in these categories. And this is not an obedience issue, it's a heart issue. So we have to lead our children through these issues and help them see. You have to watch them and, and, and pay attention to how they're interacting with friends and you have to address their heart issues and have conversations and lead them to be godly, wise friends. See, they need you to lead them through these things. And there's probably, there's 50 categories like this. That's just one that was I was thinking about in making friends. But there's 50 categories. They need you to lead them through this season. Um, the last category I'll address in leadership. So one is just leading them through all these decisions and being wise. And the, the other category is just corrective discipline. And that's a big question, right? Like in this season, what does that look like? Ted Tripp says this, all behavior is linked to some attitude of heart. So just stop right there. When you see something 
that you think this needs to be corrected in them. They're doing something, they're being foolish, they're being proud, uh, they're being rude, you know, they're being uh, violent towards someone else, whatever it is, there's something that needs to be adjusted. There's a behavior that's wrong here. All behavior is linked to some attitude of heart. Therefore, discipline must address attitudes of heart. This understanding does marvelous things for discipline. It makes the heart the issue, not just the behavior. It focuses correction on deeper things than changed behavior. The point of confrontation is what is occurring in the heart. Your concern is to unmask your child's sin, helping him to understand how it reflects a heart that has strayed from God. That leads to the cross of Christ. It underscores the need for a savior. It provides opportunities to show the glories of God who sent his son to change hearts and free people enslaved by sin. So it's, it's, it's instead of just don't do that anymore, here's a discipline, let's try again. Now we're really getting into addressing the why of why they're doing the things they do. Let me give you an illustration of this. We'll kind of end on this illustration. Okay, your seven-year-old and your five-year-old run to the car and begin to fight over sitting in the middle seat of the car once again. You're exhausted. They begin to fight. You stop the fight. You get them in their seats. And what are you tempted to say in that moment? You're tempted to say, how many times have I told you not to fight? I've told you a thousand times not to fight. Your dad is going to hear about this when he gets home. I can't believe you are acting this way. You are so selfish. That's typically how we do it, I think, a lot of times. So a couple of things about that way of correcting our kids. It's, it's attempting to shame them, to guilt them, to modify their behavior, to stop doing that. Second of all, it's, it's hypocritical. When we, la when we act like we would never understand how selfish they could be, I mean, seriously, we need to look in the mirror in that moment because we are more selfish than they will ever be. And when we understand no, no, it's my, I'm a selfish person. I, I get why they want to sit in that seat. You know, I get the selfishness behind what's going on. It's a hard issue going on with them. It allows us to stand in solidarity with our kids and understand this is the hard issue. I understand this hard issue. I get selfishness. I don't get why the middle seat is so important to them, but I get selfishness. And I can help them with where selfishness is unloving. It's not trusting the Lord. It's not preferring others. It's not Philippians 2. It's not Christ-like. Jesus wasn't selfish at all. He gave his life away. So another way to do it is remember it's about the heart. Okay, there's a heart issue going on right now. Take a deep breath. Okay, guys, let's talk about this. Okay, remind them of your former instruction. Haven't we talked about this before, about trying to get things and preferring things and running to the car first so you can be the first one to get there? What, what did daddy and mommy say about that? What have we told you about this? Okay, what did you do wrong? Why was that wrong in that moment? What you did was wrong in pushing your sister out of the car by hitting her so you could have the best seat. Okay, why was that wrong? And then you ask the question, why do you think you did that? Why was that so important to you in that moment? Do you think 
God would say that's the most important thing in that moment? What do you think God would say is most important when we're dealing with others? And it just gives you an opportunity to move from the what of you want this seat, stop it, I can't believe you want this seat again, to why are you doing this? What's going on in your heart? And I'll just tell you, when, when they're younger, they may not have words to say it. They may just, I just wanted the seat, you know, because uh, it's a better view. <laughs> uh, but as they get older, they'll start to be able to articulate, you know, it's just being selfish. Um, I wanted what's best. I wanted the bigger bowl of ice cream, but, you know, more than my sibling, you know, whatever it is, they can start to articulate the selfishness going on. Do that scenario and repeat that one million times. And that's what parenting is like in this age. And the amazing thing is, every opportunity for correction with the heart focus, if your focus is on the heart and you can slow down, revisit, talk about it, focus on the heart, every correction is a gospel opportunity. It's an opportunity to tell them, buddy, this is exactly why Jesus came. And I understand exactly why you struggle with that because I'm selfish. I know where you got it from. And Jesus died for my sin and he died for your selfishness. And if you turn to him, you can be forgiven of your sins. And it leads to hundreds and thousands of gospel conversations. And if you're only focused on modifying behavior, what happens is you never get to the gospel. It's just shame. I can't believe you did this. Stop doing this. Uh, there's not reconciliation. And you just miss so many gospel opportunities. So just an encouragement. Focus on the heart. Slow down. Ask these questions why. And, man, it gives us so many opportunities to share the gospel with our kids. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone U.